Hello and welcome to The 100 Podcast. It's Ed and Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we're doing another of our retention specials. We're looking at every single 100 franchise, men's and women's side, see which players they should be keeping around ahead of retention deadline day. Today, it's the Birmingham Phoenix. Charlie, another team who have recruited really, really well over the last couple of seasons and so have a lot of really key talent they'll be wanting to keep on their roster. Absolutely. Both men's and women's side have got a lot of really good talent. They both have very clear identities. And in a way, they're kind of having to pay the price of that now because we've seen with other sides and we're definitely seeing it with these sides. When you recruit well, you get young players for maybe a bit cheaper than their market value probably ought to be. In time, as the years go past, other teams start to realise the true value of those players. And so you're going to have to pay them more or risk losing them. But that becomes tricky because you have to try and fit a lot of very good players into not very many higher price bands. So it's tricky to do. I think we've got these teams in places that make sense, but it's going to be interesting to see where they go because there's a lot of talent in these sides. Let's start with the men's side, who you know we, we've been big fans of. We love the identity they play with. We love the talent they have. And it's going to be difficult, I think, for them to keep lots of um, their roster around. There's no real big headlines in terms of who we're releasing. Are we letting Tom Helm go, who had a good season last year? Matthew Wade as well. Also Matthew Fisher, but you no know, massive names here. In terms of what we've got, and we're talking through the draft grid, uh, Chris Wokes at Central Contract, he's sticking around. Got Livingston at 125k, Smead and Moeen at 100k, Benny Howe and Ollie Stone at 75k, Tom Abel and Adam Milne at 60k, Brooks and Benjamin at 40k, and Dan Malsey at 30k. I mean, it looks really strong. Um, and I do think there is a chance this is what they end up with. However, it does seem to me they're going to have a challenge of keeping all of these players. You think Benny Howell could probably do with more than 75k? Tom Abel and Adam Milne could probably do with more than 60k. I know Tom Abel's ever played in the competition, but he's a great player. Adam Milne, absolute stud with great availability. It's going to be difficult for this to be the final outlook, Charlie. It is going to be hard, you're right, but the Phoenix have a knack of retaining players for quite a bit less than they're worth. We could have said this exact same thing last year, but they got Will Smead down at 50k last year. Tom Abel was on 60k last year, which is where we've got him. So they have this knack of being able to get players to want to stay. Even Moeen Ali took a pay cut last year. Moeen Ali, we expected, would move up to the 125k bracket with the pay rise um, as the competition increased their top salary. But he didn't. He said 100k, which he absolutely didn't have to do. So there's clearly something there. Whether or not that happens again this year, I don't know. I think of that list that we have, the most likely, I would say, who'd want to go elsewhere be Ollie Stone, because he's mm. the only one who are actually moving down. He was drafted for 100k last year. We moved him down to 75k purely on account of I think, the injury issues and stuff. In fact, he didn't play, but it seemed like a reasonable price. He's the one I'd say who might leave, potentially. But otherwise, I think it's entirely possible. I think there is a potential for a little bit of uh, flexibility in the way they're they're sorting these contracts out. So we don't know the timescale of when they pick these contracts. And obviously, we don't necessarily know the order they're doing them. I think there's a perfect good chance that if Benny Howell wants 100k, Will Smead might stay at 75k for now. They'd be underpaying him, but I think there's a chance that might happen. So there is some flexibility, I think, that would work with that potentially. I do feel a one of Abel or Mill would probably want 
more money than that. Just just the just the way I'm looking at it, I think I think with full availability and his form in 2021, Milne's going to be difficult to keep around at that price. I do think there's a chance they keep a lot of the solid core though. Um, I, I think even when you look further down, Henry Brooks and, and Dan Mousley there in the lower pay grades, as well as Chris Benjamin, those are quality players you want to keep. Good domestic core, and you've got so much talent here. Look, if one of them goes. I think that's just what you kind of have to accept uh, with the success that they've had um, across the tournament the last couple of years. I do think, though, it's it's likely to be one rather than multiple would be my initial thought. So what we have with this side, Charlie, is, you know, a a great base. Effectively, they've got a really good starting eleven without a couple of things firstly without you know maybe a top order batter they'd like and uh, maybe a stronger wicketkeeper than chris benjamin and also a, a gun spinner to kind of back up their really strong pace attack so they have basically two very key needs which you'd think they will be looking at with the first two draft slots they have now they'll have around one pick the fifth overall pick and then their next pick unless one of these players leaves is down at 50k so it is it, pretty clear what they want to achieve they want to find a gun spinner and they want to find uh, a left-handed batter, overseas batter, who can keep. And um, because, you know, I think they'd feel much better about having a wicketkeeper other than Benjamin last year, given his form, and you could potentially bring in Dan Mousley into that side if Benjamin doesn't have to keep. Um, Benjamin not the best in the outfield either. So so it, it, it's kind of a case of what do you do first? Do you spend your 125k pick on the spinner or do you spend your 125k slot on the wicketkeeper batter? I think the answer to that is entirely based around which players are available in the draft, particularly in the overseas list. I think when we see which players are on that list and who is available to draft, then I think I would be able to answer with a bit more clarity because I think they're both mm-hmm. of an equal need for this side. It just depends on which player you think is worth spending the top money on and which player you think you can get a little bit cheaper. For example, if, say, Banuka Rajapaksa comes into the draft I think he'd be a player who really fits the bill for this side mm. hard hitting left handed top order batter who can keep we know that he is well regarded by the Phoenix setup because Dan Weston their analyst was quite a big part in picking him for his Punjab King side in the last IPL auction so there's a link there if he comes into the draft you think maybe you could wait around for him and get him 50k and then get a frontline spender really early with that first pick that might be the way to go about it but Difficult to know for sure without seeing that play on list. It is difficult. It's a rare skill set as well. I think, you know, gun spinners are fantastic, but it, it, it can be very difficult to find a really strong overseas batter who can keep, who can bat in the top order as well. So you wonder if they do have to go on that slightly early and money ball the spinner potentially. Um, other options that come to mind on the, on the batter front. I know it. this is the thing. He doesn't really fit what... The Birmingham Phoenix are wanting to achieve Devon Conway, left-handed batter, top of the order, who can keep. I don't see him being part of their plans. He just doesn't really fit what they're all about necessarily. So interesting to kind of see how they go about it on that front. And then in terms of a spinner, now if you're looking at the 125k bracket, maybe you're thinking of Thik Shana from Sri Lanka. Maybe you're looking at Sonal Narine if the Oval Invincibles don't 
decide to keep him about, which they probably will, to Bray Shamsi maybe, Ish Sodi, Adam Zampa, lots of options. And even further down the draft, I think you can always find a, uh, an interesting leg spinner there. So I, I will lean towards them using that top pick to sort out that top need of the keeper batter. But but it's difficult because if Rajapatsk is down there at 50k, he's not been in great form recently. And if that just means you can get him around down there and then you could bring in a Shana, that would be great. Um so it's so it's uh, it, it's a really interesting balance. I just suppose it's them looking at the draft list after the retention deadline's done and thinking, well, okay, where is the value for us? What do we need to attack first? And where can we get the best players coming in? Yeah, and I think that's a logical way of doing it. I think they've got two clear needs here, and I think they're going to move away from the players they had in those roles last year. Matthew Wade had a reasonable season, but he wasn't really used in the way we were expecting. We thought open at the batting for Smead. He did not. He came in at four or five pretty regularly. I don't think that's the kind of player they're looking for this year. I think they're looking for that kind of player to open the batting alongside Will Smead because Miles Hammond struggled there last year. We don't think he'll be coming back. So that's something that they'll be looking to plug. And Imran Tahir, bless him, I think is, I think he's reached the end of his road of Birmingham Phoenix. Been a wonderful player, but they'll be looking to move on from him. And I think just looking in terms of the way they've recruited historically, we look at last season, they seemed to prioritise the keeper batter with their first pick. And then they got their spinner later on. In fact, in the wildcard draft altogether with Imran Tahir, Matthew Wade was their first pick last year. So that maybe tells you a little bit about what they're thinking and what role they prioritise in this side. So if history proves anything, is that they'll be looking to fill that spot with their overseas batter. But needs will change and the player list will determine a lot. And I think even, you know, with, with that kind of challenge of having two such key players to fill and um, with the first two picks, one being in round one, one being in round nine, that, that does mean that, you know, a lot of the good players are going to be off the board and a lot of the good players are going to be priced out at 50k, which does put some strain on you. However, I mean, this squad is just so strong. Just so strong. Smead opening up, Livingston, Moeen, Abel, Mousley in that middle order, and then a, a seam attack of Howell, Woke, Stone, Mill, Brooks to choose from. They, they're properly stacked. I mean, they're properly stacked, and because they're so stacked, it does mean that they can they they, they can just attack these two needs. And I think what also helps them is obviously with the double wild card. They have been very good at identifying cheap talent the last couple of years, and so you know that they'll only have a couple more picks in this draft. Uh, once they've once they've kind of gone through this system and brought in that spinner and that top order player, and you can have a pick at fifty k, pick at thirty k. But then you're still going to also get those two wild card slots. And as we've seen, the Phoenix doing very good at finding these um, gun batters uh, to 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 bring into bring into the side. So I do think they're actually in a very very strong position, especially if they can keep all of these players through this retention process, which may be difficult. So I'm feeling pretty positive about them heading into 2023. How are you feeling about the men's Birmingham Phoenix side? Yeah, I'm feeling really good too. There's so much talent in this team. Last year, they didn't reach their peak. They were badly hit by injuries. They lost pretty much their entire first-choice team attack of Wokes, Milne and Ollie Stone. So none of them played a single game in the competition. That hurt them. So did losing Tom Abel and so did Livingstone halfway through the comp as well. This year, if they're all fit and they can retain them all, then they are going to be a serious team. There's so much talent. They only need a couple of spots and their team is pretty much complete. So yeah, there's a lot to like about this side. Feeling very confident. Let's look at the women's side. 
the Phoenix on the women's side have some really, really nice players to retain. Um, I, I, I really like what we've done here. At least Perry we're keeping around uh, in round one and two. She's going to take that round two slot. I, I just think, and, and you're going to see it in, in this World Cup, her overall value and overall class is just is just massive. Having somebody who can bat either at the top of the order or bat at four or five, wherever you want to batter, and just can still take down good attacks. I mean, you saw what she did to New Zealand in the in the Australia's opening game of the World Cup, 40 off 22, really took it to him, struck over 180, just kind of took the game away from them, and then can come in and doesn't bowl as much these days, but can come in and make a breakthrough. Um, she's not bowling a great deal for Australia, but you'd think you can get two, three overs out of her most games. Uh, and just having someone you know you can throw the ball to a pivotal times is, is just massive. And she's a class player, so absolutely worth keeping around. Then in round three and four, we're keeping Amy Jones and Izzy Wong. Amy Jones, um, really fun attacking player. Great to keep around in the franchise. Izzy Wong, just a, a tear away quick, who can hit as well. So you feel really great about, about that. And then we're keeping Emily Arlott in round eight as well. I think we both feel pretty, pretty good about the players that we've kept around for this Phoenix side. I think so. I think with some of these other sides, you had quite a lot of debate there. But I think with Phoenix, it was, I think we both agreed pretty early on. And this is the way we're going to go. Clearly a no-brainer. If you have a batter of that much talent and ability, you keep her. It's pretty simple. Izzy Wong, likewise, I love back domestic talent who is going to grow with the franchise. And Izzy Wong is a prime example of that kind of player. You just cannot afford to let go. Emily Arlett, too, has a lot of value with the ball. Still only 24, but a very good operator. I think that's four really solid players there. You've got three great domestic players and one absolute star overseas. You really can't go wrong there. It's a very solid list. And genuinely think that's one of the stronger retention lists that we've made. I think what's good about it is that you basically have your seam attack fully retained there. I think, you know, the the difficult thing often is finding really quality domestic seamers. They have two there in Izzy Wong and Emily Arlott who can lead the attack. I think you can find domestic spinners a lot easier. So even though Kirsty Gordon's a lovely player and and you like what Abtaka Maksud's been for you, you can find players lower down. So I think releasing them and maybe bringing them back at a later point is fine. That's some really good overseas that you'd think about keeping as well. Sophie Devine, Deepti Sharma, Sophie Molyneux. But I think we just felt that we were quite keen to keep Emily Arlott about. And if you can keep Emily Arlott about at kind of round eight kind of sphere, you're feeling pretty good. Um, just just a, would be would be a proper bargain there, and, and you think you can find those overseas skill sets in round one and round five. So, I I like what they've done. Again, I, I think it's I think it's interesting and and a, probably a good opportunity for the Phoenix women's side because I've, I've kind of felt over the last couple of years that they've had some really nice players, but maybe just just haven't had the right lower-end domestic pieces. You're, you're, you're 7th to 11th players in the side, basically, in terms of quality. Just feel like they, they could probably do with a refresh on that side. So this is a really good opportunity. You're going to get that top pick. Now, you don't know where they might go with that. You might go for a, a gun overseas batter. Maybe you try and bring in, let's say, an Alyssa Healy. And then later on, maybe you want to you bring in a... 
I don't know, another batter potentially. Maybe you could go for an overseas spinner. But they have lots of options as well. So feeling very, very strong about this Phoenix women's side. And I think they've got a lot of room to grow. How are you feeling about them heading into this 2023 season? I'm feeling good about this side as well. Personally, I'd be looking to use my RTM on Sophie Molyneux potentially. I really like what she has to offer as a spinner. I think that could be the way to go here. You've got Sophie Devine who could potentially come back with that early pick as well if you do want to go down that route. I think they might want to go a different direction, but the option's always there. But when you look at those four players that we've retained for them, I see a lot of flexibility, which is a really big plus point for them. You've got players who can bat, you've got players who can bowl, and you've got overall a really nice core to build a side around. We're plenty of really decent spots in the draft to build upon that core and really attack some high-quality players. I think they're in a really good spot. I completely agree. Strong position heading into 2023. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to do an episode like this for every single franchise. Check out our feed. We've got plenty of franchise retention specials already out there, and your favourite team will either be out or coming soon. And so all of that, looking at men's and women's retentions, you can find us at Twitter at Podcast 100. Loads of great content there. Lots of good stuff building up to retentions. And then we're going to kick into overdrive for draft season. Really excited to go through which players are going to stick around for which teams are going to work out um, the process for this year's draft. Super excited about that. So at Podcast 100 on Twitter for everything we're doing at the moment. But for now, thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you next time. 